Forgotten Homeland, a Lorne Turner Mystery, by Joe Talon. Chapter 2 Three days later, I knew the true extent of my father's grief, and what probably hastened his death. The farm owed tens of thousands of pounds to everyone. I spent hours on the phone with the bank, with loan companies, with the utility companies, with farm suppliers, and more hours with a calculator. Even without the stock, I couldn't hold on to the house if I didn't do something radical. Most of the money had bled out after Mum became sick. Her cancer took her so fast I'd only managed to get home for the final few brutal days. After her funeral, I'd left with vague promises to come back more regularly to help out with the farm. I hadn't come home except for one strained Christmas and the odd weekend of leave in five years. My failure as a son rattled around inside the container of guilt I carried. I loved the freedom away from the chains of the farm. Now it left a bitter taste. Dear God had let the old man down, and it never once burdened me with his shame. It used the old farm computer to find gambling sites, and these buggers didn't care that they were stealing from an old grieving man. I faced three options. Sell the farmland, and try to keep the house and some of the nearest barns for my business idea. Or go and work for some rich Arab in a desert somewhere and sell the lot. I'll just hand over the keys to the bank. Even if I could pass a physical these days, never mind control the PTSD long enough to fake normal, what would happen in a combat situation? Would I panic? The sweating of my palms, just thinking about it, made the chances of success slim. With all this came the knowledge I wouldn't be able to leave the farm. I barely made it to the supermarket before the panic started. I needed rest. I needed calm. I needed space. I also needed sleep. Every flaming bloody night for three nights at 03.30 hours it would start. I'd wake in my bed, cold, shivering in damp bedclothes, the dream filling my mouth with dust and sand, clogging my throat and hearing the rat-rat-rat-a-tat of heavy-caliber rifle fire, only for my beleaguered mind to eventually inform me it was a door banging. I'd tested every damned door on the farm, and none of them opened without human assistance. The weather didn't help. Sheets of rain coming off the Bristol Channel, down from Wales and the Atlantic to soak the world in shades of grey. I'd forgotten how much it rained here. Somehow, when you're facing grim weather on exercises, you moan and bitch, but you have your mackers there with you, enduring the same hardships. Not now, though. Now I was alone, and would be forever. Damn, I needed to shift my mental attitude, or I'd end up like too many of my kind, turning to drink or hanging myself in a barn. With that bleak thought floating around me, a different door banged, making me start. What the fuck? The front door. The brass door knocker. Nothing to panic about. I swiped the bottle of pills off the tabletop, the hard plastic filling my palm. Shame at the surge of hope in my mind, but this time I might actually open the bottle. I rose and tramped through the house in my boots. Mum would be furious. The front door snapped open. What? Yeah, go on, good way to shift the attitude. Startled blue eyes looked at me. You are home, I thought I'd seen lights. A man, or a grey bear, depending on your point of view, stood at my doorstep. It took a while for my mind to fast forward the last twenty years. Mr. Jenkins. Ah, oh, there it is, lad. Well done. Sorry I missed your old man's funeral. The way I was, dealing with the wife's family in Cornwall. 
I owe you a debt of gratitude for helping with the stock. Mr. Jenkins nodded. Can I come in, son? I think we need a chat. My stomach hit the floor. How much did he owe you? Did my voice quiver? Sergeant Majors of the Special Air Service did not have quivering voices. Jenkins smiled, his grey beard shifting around his broad face. No, son, I wasn't that daft. But I'm guessing you've uncovered the skeletons. More like a mass grave, I muttered. Come in, sir, I stepped back. He wiped his feet with utmost care on the mat, despite wearing leather-soled shoes, not boots, and stepped over the threshold. Thank you, son. The man had every right to call me son. I'd been his son's best friend. There, the night Tommy vanished from the face of the earth, when we'd been twelve. No one blamed me, but me and Tommy's family had always kept a soft eye on my subsequent teenage rebellion, driven by guilt, loneliness, and loss. Could be my theme song, that. The man's Somerset accent rolled directly off the hills of his birth and livelihood. Farming stuck forever, married a Cornish farmer's daughter, and had two children, Tommy and Joanna. Joanna lived and worked in London, if I remembered rightly. She'd be well into her twenties by now. What can I do for you, sir? Would you like a drink? I don't have cake. A grim realisation I had no idea how to do these social niceties. Mum was always so good at it, and always had cake. He laughed. Cake? You're funny, Lorny. God, it hadn't been years since someone called me that. Tea, though? Aye, tea would be good. And call me Ray, Lorne. I think we can dispense with sir now, can't we? I nodded. How long is your leave this time? Oh, this would be odd. I'd not said this to anyone outside their regiment. I'm back. I'm out. For good. More than odd. A weird. Was that elation? Possibly. Not quite, but not misery either. Huh. Ray took the visitor's chair at the table, the back not quite as shiny as the others for family. It'll be good to have someone living here again. He eyed the piles of paper on the table and my laptop. Hmm, well, I might not be staying. In fact, there might not be a turner here at all soon. A slow nod. I had a feeling that might be the case. Talk me through it, son, and let's see if us neighbours can't come to an understanding. Three hours later and I'd sold the majority of the farm equipment and most of the land. It made me feel sick. Land my family had owned for generations, now gone. What choice did I have? I knew I wouldn't survive in some town or city, anywhere in the world. I needed to be here. I needed to feel safe. And I needed rest. I needed this damned house, and if I sold it and the farm, I'd have nothing left but a pile of debts. Selling the land took the immediate pressure off my shoulders, but it wouldn't cover the mortgage. It just paid off most of the loans and the other suppliers. What the hell had affected my old man to cause this to happen? Some kind of dementia? I'd asked Ray, but the conversation had become strained. He thought the loss of Mum had sent Dad into some kind of weird elliptical depression, focused on the church. What? The church? I pointed out of the kitchen window. Ray shrugged. It's a strange place, this farm. Always has been. Your mother knew it. That day you and Tommy. I stared hard at the tabletop. The walls and the wood reassuring. Tommy vanishing from the woodland we'd been playing in haunted me until the day I signed up for the army and no longer had time to think about anything else. The country was at war, and it threw as many young men at the special forces training as it could. Those of us that made it through were used until we dropped, broke, or died. If we made it past all that, we were veterans and pushed into more conflict zones all over the world. The conversation with Ray stalled, and I decided I didn't want to know what unsettled Dad so much he spiralled into the chaos now piled up on the table. Ray rose from the table. 
Well, I'll have my solicitor draw up the paperwork, and we'll get on with the transfer of ownership. You sure you've left yourself enough land for your business idea? I'm sure. Training people for rural survival doesn't take much land, so long as you're okay with me using the woodland. I'll make certain there's no harm to the fencing or stuck. I think all I'm going to need are the nearest barns to the house, and I can rent space in them from you if I need it. I laughed. Rent? Ray, I'm sure you can use the barns as long as you need them. It's going to take me time to learn enough about the land here to build the business the way I want to. I think it's a cracking idea for you, Lorne. You never wanted to be a farmer, even as a kid. Different to Tommy in that regard. But running survival courses is a great move forward. It's the kind of new thinking Exmoor needs. He shook my hand at the door. Make sure you come down on Sunday for lunch. Cathy would love to see you. Thanks, that would be great. But maybe next week? I need a bit of time to readjust. The big thing being back and... His eyes flickered my facial scars. Sure, son, just remember we're only down the lane if you need us and you have our phone numbers. We'll always be there for you, Lorne, always. I looked into his sharp blue eyes and saw the truth of his words. It made me both utterly uncomfortable and grateful to have such kindness in my life. Thank you, Ray. That means a great deal. He nodded just once and left the house. I watched him walk down the lane, a quarter of a mile between our farms, no distance. Feeling more at ease than I had for days, I returned to the kitchen and tidied up the build, putting away the map of the farm. Time, I decided, to cook. Steak and chips were in order, and a few beers. I deserved it. Breaking up the farm might, to some, seem like the worst kind of betrayal to my family. But to be honest, the dead were dead, and I owed them nothing. Not even Mum, as much as I loved her and missed her. When I stumbled to bed that night, after checking all the barn doors, I stared at the damp patch over the bed and tried to keep my mind on the future, the survival business. It wouldn't make me rich, but it might just keep the wolf from battering my door down. I could also use some of the payout from the army to treat myself. Now I knew I wouldn't be losing the roof over my head. I grinned. Yeah, think about the bike you want. That would bring sweeter dreams. A trip to a dealership was in order. All through thirty hours, I jolted awake, the bedclothes damp again from a nightmare I didn't remember too well this time. A jostling mass of chaotic images centred on the old and the new clashing, screaming voices, male and female, weeping. Weeping? I breathed, trying to slow my racing heart, and listened to the world outside. A storm raged. There'd been no sign of it when I'd gone to bed, but I had no reason to go outside in the dark. Now, though, the wind ripped at the house, trying to tear it from the side of the hill. The rain fought to pulverise the glass, wanting to reduce it to its elemental crystal structure. I couldn't hear the woodland scream its protest, but I could hear the bang of a damned door. Never before had I heard a raging storm like this one. I turned my head to check the clock and realised the electric had gone out as well. Alone in the house. Alone in the world. Alone. Damn it. More awake than I'd been for weeks, I rose and dressed. I'd track down the damn banging even if it killed me. The house rattled and shivered. None of the sash windows seemed to fit. The temperature made my skin crawl. The banging grew louder, almost as if I felt it through the soles of my feet, like some deep bass vibration in the foundations. The banging wrapped around me, changing in tempo for the first time since it had begun. The thud coming faster, striving to match the beat of my heart. The wind didn't howl, the wind screamed. The night held a texture I didn't recognise. Dust and sand filled my mouth, images flashed through my head, a screaming maw, a black hole, a grenade, 
two large black eyes showing me a future full of blood and bone, so much death, so much pain and hate, all pouring into one small desert town, black flag, scaffold and rope, no hope, no hope. We'd failed to save the town, we shouldn't have been there, my people died, my last mission, my greatest failure. Put my hands on my knees, bent over, heaving breaths in and out as I tried to focus on the present. The bang, the crack, the rap, 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 no, no, just breathe, Lorne, it's survivor's guilt, you did nothing wrong. I tried to repeat this as I breathed out. I almost reached into my pocket for the pills, and realised I'd left them on the side in the bathroom, upstairs. The spike of anxiety this caused made me angry. Bang, 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 screaming, screaming of the wind, maybe, oh, for fuck's sake. Rage ignited, red hot, white hot, I'd ripped the damn door off myself. I forced my feet into my old Wellington boots and grabbed Dad's old wax coat. The moment I opened the back door, the wind tore it from my hands. I almost dropped back in shock. Never had there been a storm like this one. Never. Novel-length Lorne Turner Supernatural Mystery Thrillers by Joe Tannell Available on Audible.